What is going on and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad Podcast. My name is Chad and this week we are joined by Cody from the band The Difference Between. The Difference Between is a post-hardcore band based out of Lexington, Kentucky. And I consider them to be one of those uh, super bands where you've got really talented members from various other successful bands who have come together to form, like I said, a super band. And Cody is the drummer of this band. And it was really cool talking to him. Uh, He's also... I mean, the dude is just kind of all over the place in terms of doing so many different things. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear all these different things from him because he's the, the label director, owner of the label record, a drummer for multiple bands, doing some, some sit-in gigs as a drummer for other bands. And the dude is just awesome all over the place in terms of just so much going on on his schedule. But dude, I'm so glad he took some time to talk to me. It was really rad getting to know him. And I do want to apologize. Something happened with the recording where the audio kind of cuts out at times. It gets a little a little dead and then it picks back in. So I tried to fix it as well as possible. So I do apologize. But the interview is just way too cool to not to not do it, to not post it because Cody is just rad. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this one. But just like always, before we jump in, be sure to head on over to to the difference between social media pages to their Instagram, Facebook, follow them, give give them a shout out, show them some love, listen to their brand new singles that they just released. One November 19th is their most recent single and be sure to to send them some love. And then while you're at it, you can head on over to the podcast. And, you know, obviously, if you haven't liked and followed the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, start with that, you know, follow the podcast. I'd love to, to see you. And then head on over to, to Instagram or to Facebook and and let me know that you listen. Let me know what you think. And and if there are any other bands that you want to hear, let's try and get them on here as well. But without further ado, let's just jump right on in. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's just myself. It's uh, Cody Frayne. I play drums for The Difference Between. Uh, the other guys, unfortunately, had stuff going on where they couldn't make it today oh it's not a problem man i uh it's it's one of the fun things like regardless of whether it's one person or the whole band it's it's still a ton of fun and and i obviously know that you guys have a bunch going on in your lives so i i'm always grateful to uh you know to have the opportunity to talk to people so uh so yeah man i'm i'm super stoked i you know i always like to just start out with a quick introduction you know let Tell us, obviously you just told us you're, you're Cody Frayne that you, and you play the drums, but uh, tell us something unique about, you know, kind of elementary school style, something people may not know. Um, well, actually, I've been doing music since man, I was like 14 years old, uh, playing shows and stuff and all sorts of different bands. I'm uh, 29 now. Um, I, actually, I just launched a record label pretty, uh, pretty recently. It's uh, Theoria Records. So it's actually a label difference between on as well, but... <laughs> that's so sick man uh, it's been pretty fun yeah, yeah dude i want to talk more about that because i actually um i actually noticed so so obviously um 
thank you for reaching out. It's, it's super humbling to have people reach out to me and, and, uh, want to be, you know, talk to me on the podcast, but, uh, it's also really cool. Cause, um, there's another band on your label that I'm going to be talking to. Is it this week or next week? Um, uh, colony collapse. No, different one, different one that you didn't set up. Um, Alex- oh, okay. Nice. Oh, Lucia's. Alu- yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, on uh, Saturday. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be talking to them on Saturday. So yeah, it's kind of cool. It's just like, um, it's always funny when those connections happen. It's kind of like a small world type thing, you know, it's like, Oh look, I recognize that record label. Cause when I was checking out their music, I saw the label and I was like, wait a minute, that looks familiar. And then I was like, Oh wait, that's because Cody emails me from this record label. <laughs> yeah. I figured I would just kind of disclose that ahead of time. <laughs> oh no, dude. I, You're talking to me. Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. I, I actually, I think that's, that's super dope. Cause like that means you've got just so much going on. Cause you're also, you don't only drum for the difference between, right? Yeah. I also play for a band called Ascent Like Wolves. Uh, Which like a you guys, band. yeah. Congrats on that new album. Um, oh, thanks. It turned out super sick. I, I'm not, I, I, I told you, I'm not really like super well versed in like metalcore and like the, the harder music, even like, even what you guys do with the, the post hardcore, it's still kind of a newer genre for me. Like I, I never really listened to it a whole lot. But man, Ascent Like Wolves, that that new one actually was like, it was funny to me. I was like, this isn't metal. This is whatever it is. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, man. It uh, means a lot. Yeah, it's been Ascent Like Wolves now for about seven years. And Oh, sick, uh, man. It's like it's like my baby. It, it, it's like a lot of like the old, it's like a Skylet Drive meets like era. Yeah. Like, it's like that old school, like. Maybe that's what I liked about it. And stuff. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what I liked about it. Because, yeah, dude, like. This is a lot. Back in back when I was in high school, so I'm about the same age as you. I'm 31, so I'm a couple of years older. But okay. like, like uh, in terms of like my high school days, it was all pop punk. Like I just, you know, people would introduce me to to a lot of the the harder bands, and you know, at that time, um, as I lay dying, and um, between the buried and me, I had friends who had listened to the metalcore yeah. stuff, and Underoath even was like that was like the hardest I could ever go was under oath, but I kind of maxed out really at Anne Berlin. That was like the hardest band that I would, I would listen yeah. to. <laughs> and then, though, man. Yeah, dude. And as I got older, it's like now I'm, as I've done the podcast and stuff, my, my, uh, kind of range of music I listen to has expanded. So it's been fun to, uh, to experience new music. Like, cause like you said, like with what you guys are doing with the difference between, it's a very reminiscent sound. I, as I've started to listen to a lot of the older kind of post hardcore stuff, it is very reminiscent of that. Yeah, that's actually, that's what we were going for. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's kind of like what I grew up on and uh, a lot of the other members we all just really grew up on that sound and, uh, something I, I haven't seen done in a while. So it was kind of refreshing just to go back to our roots and create that. <laughs> yeah, man. And what, what are your thoughts? Like, with the the current the current scene quote unquote like the current um way that things are are currently going with within the kind of post hardcore i i've noticed a, a big trend away from the 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 hardcore elements and more to more mainstream elements um and maybe that's just my outside looking in type type feel no i think i think you're pretty you're right with that a bit. Um, I mean, everything comes in cycles, I've noticed. Um, so, like, 
right now kind of that mainstream it's, I, I call it like serious octane core <laughs> it's like something you'd hear in like serious xm radio or something okay um, yeah something but, that that's palatable by someone who's who's not like in the scene is what is that kind of yeah it kind of like mixes all the tropes like a lot of tropes of like what metalcore and post-hardcore is but it like written in a way that it's digestible to people who are just like really into rock music or like more mainstream music you know, okay like, like give a band like the difference between even a chance just because multiple post-hardcore vibes and how heavy it is <laughs> yeah um i also do see a lot of uh just like metalcore making a resurgence though uh, which i think is really cool like the metalcore scene's been insane lately with like bands like era putting out uh albums uh, kingdom of giants album passenger which came out last year is probably one of the, the freshest sounding metalcore albums i've heard in a while well, and then you've got yeah, like was like sharp tone. <laughs> yeah, sharp tone. I uh, like UNSD and famine. Yeah, yeah, famine's great. Uh, awesome. Yeah, um, and I've noticed as well. Like, so um, there's a lot of those those older bands making a resurgence too. Like the one that stands yeah. out in my mind right now is Memphis Mayfire, um, making it. You know, yeah. coming out with new music, and I was like, wait how long has it been since these guys have made music? Cause I've heard the name, but I'd never listened to it. And I was like, hasn't it been years and years since these guys have been together? I mean, I think I, I honestly attribute a lot of that to the pandemic and just like the shutdown and everything. And I think it really just showed a lot of musicians, um, even like past current, um, can make a resurgence. They don't have to play shows constantly. You're seeing all these bands like, a huge band I used to be really into out of growing up, uh, the lower definition. I mean, so they ran out of Saul and all the shows. Um, Attack Attack came back out of nowhere. It's pretty crazy. So they just announced the tour, but uh, yeah, that one was that one's really crazy to me because once again, never listened to Attack Attack, but I in this whole crab core era, yeah, I really <laughs> did. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. There was like, um something about sales there's another band that was like something with uh, sales in it um elsewhere but yeah like i i miss that whole era but i do love bill murray and i also really enjoy Beartooth. so it's kind of funny i i enjoy kind of the offshoots of attack attack yeah, bill murray's a really fresh band everything they put out i think is really cool <laughs> yeah dude i actually haven't gotten into Beartooth as much as i probably should <laughs> so the only reason i got into Beartooth was I don't even know the dude's name. I can't think of it, but the bass player of Beartooth um, had a band previously called City Lights. That is okay. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of City Lights, um, and so I kind of followed him to Beartooth, and I was like, okay, this is a very different sound. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely a really good band. I just never, really, I don't know. There's like plenty of bands out there that I've just never really like put. I never really listened to that. I should. <laughs> yeah. And get around all of them. <laughs> it, it is. It's hard, man. And this is, this is kind of where I'm, I'm obviously you're in it in the multiple places where you've got obviously ascent like wolves. Uh, you've got the difference between, and you've got your record label where now you're going to have to navigate this world of, okay, well, how do I get into the ears of people who, you know, may not feel like they have enough time or energy to, to experience or find something new. Yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a challenge with uh, just how oversaturated music is right now. Like I was, I was saying before, just I feel like uh, the pandemic really like opened up the of content. Yeah. It's hard to keep up with everything. 
Exactly. You see a lot of bands doing like every four weeks or six weeks put out a new song or you don't release like a whole album at that point. Yeah, that's a constantly. That's a trend that's hard for me to uh, to get on board with. I like having fresh new music, but I am an album guy through and through. Yeah, from like a label perspective, I understand the strategy by it. It it, it works really well um, just because you got to get people's attention. And if someone doesn't miss people sometime, at least, you know, four or six weeks, you have another chance again. Yeah, it's really good to build bands that way. Yeah. But as somebody who grew up just going to like, Fye listening boots and like hot topic listening boots and stuff and just like let's like, find in a whole album and like just you know, like going with the vibe of the album and just the aesthetic of the album you kind of miss that nowadays. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's uh, I I mean, obviously, like there's pros and cons to both, obviously, and and I, I'm I'm curious to know like your perspective. It it it's probably very different than than just the standard musician perspective now that you are understanding kind of the logistics behind the releases of, of, uh, you know, the difference between like, what's, what are some of the biggest things that like with the current state of affairs when it comes to, uh, to the music world, what are some of the things that, that you feel like are trending right now that, that you think are going to kind of be the future of, of, the way music is done? Uh, definitely TikTok. Uh, that's something I definitely have to, my, my old ass has a really good Wait, yeah, but um, I'm working on that. But TikTok is definitely going to be the start of the dance up. Um, really just coming up with some sort of cool story behind your music or your singles. Like, just, it can't just be like Metalcore Band releases the Metalcore song or something. It has to have like, some sort of theme behind it. It's really cool if you can tie in some like merch aesthetics or video aesthetics with it um and then just if the, basically nowadays to like really be successful as a band you have to learn how to be basically a digital marketer now as well it's insane <laughs> yeah it, that's yeah man i'm i'm amazed like and this is where this is where i'm i'm still trying to to grasp right because like i this isn't a career path for me in terms of the podcast. This is something where I feel like it's an opportunity to, to help bands who, um, to, to, to get a, a larger audience and then to talk to really talented people and, and just make kind of like really cool connections in, in the music world. Cause that's, that's just kind of my passion. Right. But I'm like, if I want to ever take this to the next level, I have to learn TikTok. I have to learn this stuff and I'm like, man, there's so much to it that just it it's it's so difficult to really dive in and I mean I guess you just have to fail to learn, right? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I'm a I'm a big uh, advocate of learning from failure. <laughs> it's been like the theme of my life, honestly, from trying to navigate the music world, different bands and stuff. Yeah, dude, I, I but bet a lot of knowledge though. Oh yeah. I mean, what are some of the failures that, that you've had that like, that really defined who you are now? Um, I can name so many just from like playing shows and stuff, but, um, a really big one. I remember when I was younger, I was probably like 17, 16 or 17 years old. Uh, this band beneath the sky was really big at the time. And my band had a chance to look at this really big venue for us at the time. And, um, 
were told that a victory record scout was CS, which <laughs> was, was, was that true? Who the hell is? But, anyway, <laughs> but I was blown away by all this, and super nervous. And when we get there, the sound guy immediately just starts treating us like like young local band. Um, I immediately tell him, I was like, hey, I'm going to need a drum rug on this riser. So it was just like wood on a riser. And the riser was that big. I was like, my drum set will 100% fall off from a couple weeks ago. And he's just kind of like, oh, well, you got five minutes left in your changeover. If you can go find one, then you can do it. If not, it's going to cut in your set time. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go. We only have a 20-minute set time to begin with. So two songs in, my entire drum set falls off. <laughs> no man that's awful devastating i remember just like driving home just like thinking, just so upset just thinking of myself just like i just totally ruined that and i just never wanted to feel like that so like now i um that's just one instance where <laughs> um, i have just learned never to feel that way again and just now I'm not, I'm not really afraid of anything happening on stage um, i've had our our, my MacBook completely crashed and like samples not work properly. Or at the one time it just kept repeating the same song over and over again. And I was completely start to laugh off on stage and like crowd booed me. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty brutal, man. Yeah, it's like it's hard to come back from that stuff. Um, yeah, as a promoter, I'm just like just promoting. I, I used to be a promoter constantly. That's like basically gambling. So there's definitely times where like I would just completely stoop on a show and get there and just lose a ton of money and have all the bands mad for whatever reason. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, I mean so many. Even in like high like high school and stuff for like marching band, like I remember one time I had to like lead I had to be the band leader for uh or the drum line leader for like a fill in out of nowhere and I totally counted the band did. Long, like song, like midway through, <laughs> just like super awkward. Oh my gosh! And I mean, the thing too is like, like with drumline, you're so predominant. Like the sound, like that's the thing as a drummer, right? Is is you are the the band's metronome, and so like, yeah, yep, you're you're strapped in. Like, or I should say, they're strapped into you because I mean, like whatever you're doing is gonna cut through anything else that's happening. So. <laughs> Dude, and like. With like particularly with the story of like the the drum set like falling off the stage, like I can imagine like all the frustration and the and like the the stress and just especially where there's potentially you know someone from at that time the label you know probably because like, you know obviously yeah, Victor's huge man yeah there's there's obviously a little bit of sour history that happened within Victory but. At that time, it was it was the label for you know the the post hardcore and and the the harder music. I mean, I don't know how long ago it was that that the incident happened with you, but you know all of that stress, all of that stuff going on. Like you know, you said you learned that you're never gonna feel that way again. But like, what what do you mean by that? Like when you say that, like you're never gonna feel that. Does it mean that you're just? Yes, I'm just. Never gonna like allow myself to be that upset about something I really can't control. Oh, okay. Like I, I, I like laugh at that. Now, yeah. The story now, I like it, it. But at the time, it was just like such a blow. And like the more that this happens, the more that I can just get over it and figure yeah. it out. Looking back at, it, I mean, like I played. People only remember that. Like I mean, like so long ago, and like we even like a month later, we played that venue again. 
just like crushed it. <laughs> and like like that one moment doesn't define who you are. And I think a lot of people don't really that way. And a lot of people don't have the maturity then to kind of like grow from that Yeah. That's that's a good point because that's really the the hardest thing is rather than taking those things as a uh, as like a a blow to your confidence, taking it as a as a opportunity to to change mindset is is pretty valuable. Sure, it's um, tumbling right now. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean it's always it's always going to happen. There's things that are going to happen outside of control. Um, uh, the, the biggest show I've ever played sound like wolves. I was in China actually. It's like a giant festival we played over there. Super hot. I uh, we were dumb at the time and left all of our gear outside. Oh no! So dumb, so dumb. And uh, we had these drop tape pedals just because we couldn't bring all of our gear. Just just takes us flying and stuff. So we just switch tunings. We'd have to bring multiple cars. We got these drop tape pedals. Are pretty sick, by the way. Unless you leave them in the sun. <laughs> we, we like we, we had a whole sound check beforehand so we sound check was great then we come back a couple hours later to play and we just get our gear and immediately our one guitarist's pedal was not it's not changing two things and for whatever he was a touring guitarist at the time as well uh he's really new to the band and instead of just like i wish he just would have stopped playing but instead he just kept playing the whole time with like Tuning. Oh no, no <laughs> way. It's like so devastating. But I mean, it was probably so, it was a huge, it was like a 10,000 person festival. It was insane. Um, and I thought we were, I mean, I played the, the track. So I mean, I thought we were killing it the whole time. So I don't really, <laughs> didn't really hear much of what was going on. So just, it was just great. And I got to see my members like fight on stage and stuff. I was like, oh my God. But guess what I'm getting out of that rant is like, it's, you're still going to get these blows that you can't control. And it's really how you handle them. Like now, I I, I, I literally guess I would totally do that situation. Yeah, yeah, that's I and it's. I feel like the the bigger the failure or the the bigger the moment that you have a failure in, it it kind of solidifies the the choice that you make. You know, when you hit that fork in the road, and which whichever way you choose to go from there, is a really defining moment. Right. Like the smaller, sure. the, the smaller, sure. the failure, the smaller, the failure, it kind of just feels like, okay, whatever. And you, you don't have to change anything and you can just kind of keep living your life. But those bigger failures, the things that you just talked about, like those are things that, especially as like a professional drummer could really define your career. For a band, especially for a band in China, I was playing in China. That's what we know about. Let's play that festival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's taking those moments in stride and actually like understanding, okay, here's what we had control over that we need to fix in the future. And here's what we didn't have control over. And we need to understand that when we don't have control over it, we need to, we need to do control everything that we do have control and just, and kill it with that stuff and then everything else let it just go right yeah and just ride with it like all all that guitarist would have had to do is just take a step back just like give you breath come up to me and just be like or just like turn off for the song after the song was over come up to me and be like hey my guitar's not working i 
would have just backtracked him. I'm fine to say it like that, but yeah. I could have easily hit like hit two buttons on my laptop. I his track playing because I played a, that track as well. And then the crowd would have never known that his guitar was. Yeah. But instead he panicked, trying to tell us there was nothing wrong and <laughs> uh, played anyway with the volunteer. Oh man. It's a pretty rough thing. So like what we learned from that was just teamwork. Yeah. Relax a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's I imagine as like a as a an individual who's who's there specifically for, you know, a show, not like a full member of the band, but someone who's just there for tour, there's there may be that pressure or, or embarrassment that that you can't bring it up. Is that I mean but I I would imagine I mean I, I feel I've already like messed up playing with other I I, I try to fill in bands. I'm actually filming with this band called Amino, and uh, recently, like, the second show I ever played with them, uh, our in-ear system stopped working, and I didn't have a click track, and they're like, they have a lot of samples in their music, but it has to be like perfectly <laughs> on time, you know, where they're going to be shooting stuff out when there shouldn't be stuff, and I had to like basically just figure it out on the fly how to stay on time without like, having a metric. Yeah. Luckily, I could hear like the samples enough where I'd be like, like a bass drop would come in. I'd be like, okay, good. We're on point still. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, it'll still keep going. It's just how you ride with them. But yeah, the whole time I just felt like, man, I was just, I didn't have any fun that entire show just because of the pressure of not fucking up their set. I'm, I'm just a part of them. I mean, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, yeah, man. I don't have an identity. I'm representing them, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I have nothing like, uh, Probably sound like I was talking on that guy while I was kind of explaining a situation, but no hard feelings on that guy because I mean I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation myself, and it's just really hard. It's just I mean, hopefully he learned from all that stuff. I know I learned from it. Yeah, <laughs> I dude. Abandoned too. So yeah, I mean it's and yeah, like the like you said, you know, hopefully the band, you know, obviously it sounds like you guys took it in stride and just said, well, you know, um, for like maybe in the future you're able to uh to let them know hey just just be candid with us because we're chill we want to make sure that this is the best show ever so you know i don't know because it's it's so it's so fascinating to, to try and like understand why someone would would be shooting themselves in the foot by trying to you know they're trying to impress you right because they they want to to do the best they can they're they're in this show with obviously they they appreciate your music and what you guys are doing and to then be too embarrassed to fix the problem and to help the band i don't know it's it's a very fascinating conundrum in my mind because i you see it all the time in workplaces and stuff it's a similar it's it's a very similar mindset of how to you know have handle the problem head on and deal with that little bit of embarrassment, even though you shouldn't be embarrassed because it's not something you have control over. Like his pedal wasn't working. It's like, it's not his fault. <laughs> and, now, I mean, I think a lot of it was the shock of like it happening. Like it was totally fine. Like, an hour and a half ago prior to that. And then just like burn out. So like, we get to, get to find this out while we started the song. Yeah. That was probably really, really hard. But also I just think people are afraid of, being bluntly like transparent and like just going up to something right away as it happens. Yeah. Because you see, you brought up the workplace. 
I see that kind of stuff all the time at my job where it's like somebody would have just been like, Hey, I see this problem starting to happen. Let's fix it right now. I kind of messed something up. So it's completely, completely jacked up. Yeah. Like, hey, I really, really messed up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a funny, yeah. Like the idea of letting it fester is, is, you know, it, it's so unhealthy for every aspect of life. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, obviously now there's, there's like potentially, you know, there's, there's always repercussions, right? There's repercussions for fixing the problem right away. There's repercussions for letting the problem, um, play out and, and not fixing it right. That you're going to have, you're going to have something to deal with either way, but it's always easier to deal with it sooner. I feel like, (laughs) and with, uh, with like the new label, I I'd imagine that there's been a lot of, a lot of learning that that's been going on in terms of, you know, how to coordinate with bands, how to, how to, to best promote, how to best, um, you know, handle each of the different, I don't know, processes. Cause you've got obviously release schedules, you've got promotion schedules, you've got financing and, and all of that. Um, and now as a member of one of the bands, like what are some of the things that, that you've been doing differently with the difference between than like you've done with previous bands or even like ascent, like wolves, like what are some of the things that you're doing differently right now? Um, in terms of, of how you're handling the, the band and the music and stuff, obviously being a part of the label and a part of the band. Um, kind of, I like it, but also hate it a lot. Um, my, my, my partner at the label, uh, uh, Chris Weddington, he actually plays guitar as well. Uh, we just kind of figured, you know, I think it would, would be beneficial to maybe just put our, the new project out on the label as well. Yeah. So, so we try different like practices with them. We to spend money on other bands to see if they work and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we found some success. We found some failures too from it. But I mean, it's, it's nice that it's not like, I, I definitely want the difference between succeed. I don't think anything not bad or anything. It's nice to just have like the comfort to be like, all right, well, at least this is my band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. We just wasted this a little bit about money. On, at least it was our band. Because <laughs> now it's um, more of like a DIY band project as opposed to, you're handling that for an, another band that's relying on you, right? Yeah, and I also, I don't know, it's, but I, I do kind of hate it as well, though, just because, like, anytime you have, like, it's, it's almost like a conflict. I feel like it might get looked at as conflict of interest sometimes. So I don't know how to say Do label, we just definitely want to put our first uh, LP out through uh, Theoria. Um, I don't know, I, I had to go back and forth. Like, part of me is just like, I, I, I wonder if my band is where, why is this? Why doesn't it sound like wolves on there or soft spoken? Which is Chris is up there. Yeah. And uh there's reasons for that. There's five other members in the band. There's different every band's completely variable, you know. But uh, so I want a thing of that, so it's nice to have a difference between on there, so I can kind of if anybody address like, why do you have my started my product? But at the same time, the contrast to that. If anything really good happens, the difference between just out of just our music or just luck, you know, 
and it doesn't happen to another band, that they just be like, well, you're just trying to tell your thing. Yeah. So I'm totally honest with that. So yeah. I, it's like I said, I, I like the idea where I can experiment and have the comfort of like experimenting different aspects, but I also don't like that it can be a lot of yeah, I answered your question a little bit. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, the idea the idea that you are potentially like because that's that would be really like a stressful a stressful idea, right? Like it's the the idea that that another band could see. Obviously, the 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 tough part too is like each band is different, right? You have a different front man. A hundred percent. So many differences. Yeah, and it's like, but those differences could be, you know, menial. They could just be something that, that doesn't make a difference um, in the long run, or it could be something that makes a huge difference in the long run, like having a vocalist who sang for Amorosa and then having a drummer who plays an ascent like wolves. And like th- those things are driving factors for a lot of like for a band to grow, right? Like having a, a super band with members, from various other post-hardcore bands that have been very successful, that's helpful. But it also, in your position, could be very awkward because it's like, well, yeah, we have this going for us, though. But other bands, all they see is record label owned by this guy, his band doing best. That's... <laughs> yeah, luckily we're not doing the best, though. So. Okay, good. <laughs> I, say that, I say that with a grain of salt. I, I do love the so much so well it's but it's it's nice to say hey but i mean even even if it's just like a very even if it's the same like hey our success level is the same as this other band like our growth rate everything percentage wise is all growing at the same rate as this other band then you have you have like that that defense of hey man i'm putting in the same energy everywhere and it's paying off for the bands that are working right it's like that it's it's a little nicer (laughs) 100 percent that and like it, like you said about how many differences are in bands and stuff. Like every band, not not just in sound, but like what what makes them succeed, what, what potential they have to succeed. Like what what like niches about their music that open them up to their audiences and make them accessible to people, um, and also just what their members can contribute as well. You know? Like I mean, yeah, you know, there's a this big. This, Big misconception uh, that like once you're signed to a label, you like have to stop working as a band yourselves. <laughs> and it's just like if anything, you should have you working like twice as hard at that to really use what the label can offer as a resource and then propel what your own net off that, you know, like work together. Yeah. So, like, if, and a lot of times you see one band that only has like maybe one member that's completely doing all the work for everything, which works sometimes, it doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, and a lot of bands don't have any money to put in. Like, something I see a lot is I always have to tell my bands a lot of times, like, "Hey, stop getting all these music videos." If you want to make <laughs> yeah, they'll like make a music video for like every single, not have a market budget for any of them. Yeah, and then no one listens to it. Like nowadays, like I told you, I said a little bit earlier, we have, like nowadays, like navigating the music world, you have to as a band, you basically have to be like a digital marketer on your own. Yeah, with all the like knowledge and talent of being a musician as well. So like, you could have the best song in the world, but if you don't know how to get it to reach the people or have any budget to market, 
there's so much other music being content being thrown out there that it won't even be able to scratch the surface of who could do. Yeah. Reach. So. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and I find that that like that there's just so much to that that I like. I got a degree in marketing, and I'm I didn't pursue a lot of digital marketing stuff because it was just it was just such a for me like there wasn't a real like concrete person on the other side, right? It's, all the time yeah it like changes all the time it changes it's, it's really hard to keep up with exactly and and you're you're dealing with a different type of person right if you're talking face to face with someone or you're dealing with the buyer of a company right like that's a very different world than dealing with someone who's leisurely browsing their phone it's a and yeah and I, I it was interesting going to school for that and all the professors and stuff like yeah, man. We like use Facebook or Instagram, you know. <laughs> yeah, like we had like at the time that I went, it was uh Instagram was the the big dog. Um Snapchat was growing and uh the cool thing was like all my professors were I I I did the uh um like the evening and and uh weekends cl- courses mostly because I worked full time through school, but it was cool because all that meant that all of my professors were full-time in the marketing world. So they weren't just like spouting off out from some books, right? They were like, Hey, here's what we're doing at the marketing firms that I work with, or here's what I'm doing for my clients. And it's like real life right now, what we need to be doing in order to be successful type stuff. Right. And man, it made a difference. It was, but it, like I said, the hard part for me was just, I couldn't relate to the content I was creating. And I still have that problem right now. Like it feels so impersonal to me and it's, it's a very challenging thing. I hear that, man. I can definitely relate to that. Just like, I mean, we're like the same age or generation kind of, we, we saw all, all uh, so the, the growth of the internet, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like kind of crazy what, uh, what everything evolved to. Like I have a sister who's a decade younger than me. she like, she has no idea what the world is like. She doesn't even remember what she doesn't know what dial up is wait for like alien noises for like five minutes until your computer connects Oh my <laughs> gosh, dude. Yeah, she doesn't know what AOL instant messenger, she doesn't know yeah. MSN instant messenger. <laughs> it's just and that, that like if you think about that, that like I took that as just like, oh well, that, like it's a big learning thing for me. That's why I like, I can't remember like, TikTok and stuff. Yeah. It's and, just like a whole different culture. Like, I look at TikTok like silly sometimes. That's <laughs> like what gets famous, but yeah, dude, it's, but it's, it's, it's funny. The people who are good at it make it relatable, right? They make it something yeah, that, crazy that everyone can enjoy. And it's like, that's, that's what I love about music is it breaks down those barriers too. It's something that that's relatable, right? It takes, it takes a concept that came from someone's mind. You wrote something that, that was very special and unique to you as an individual or to the band as individuals and they put it out there and then every person who listens to it has their own memories and story and, and um, emotions and stuff involved with that song that have nothing to do with the band anymore. It has to do with that song. And so like, that's my fascination with music. So all these creators are doing the same thing with video content and it's, it's powerful when they do it. Well, it's impressive. I agree. It's, it's, um, it's wild stuff. And, for you, like, 
as as you've been obviously you know navigating all of this craziness with managing the label man and and working with the band um are you are you handling a lot of the the work or is it is it pretty well distributed amongst the members uh for the each individual band or uh, oh no for your for your band for the difference Uh, between between. uh yeah actually we we work really well together um it's like i said chris chris webbington i he plays guitar and soft spoken as well um myself it was kind of just a a passion project we made like being kind of just bored with like the lockdown last year um i actually live in lancaster pennsylvania and he lives out like like near lexington kentucky oh cool it's walton kentucky but yeah actually the whole band's from lexington besides me so it's kind of i don't we pretty much write music over the internet it's pretty sweet so that's awesome started by me like writing whole layouts of drums just like fun beats that i wanted to make i I love writing drum midi it's like relaxing and i just like sent like a whole like a post hardcore song layout it actually was a i don't the layout for our our song our first song in venom um and i sent it to chris and he like sent the guitar to that back which is kind of a backwards way of writing if you think about it yeah yeah songs are written first and like normally like for something like wolves i have like full songs sent to me that are done on guitar yeah i just like write drums in the studio to them but um so yeah it's kind of the opposite of that so technically i got or theoretically i could have sent this to any guitarist and got a completely different song back (laughs) yeah for sure but uh anyway what chris wrote i thought was sick and it was the same vibe we wanted and then um, we just kind of had fun with that for a couple more songs and eventually we're like you know what this is really cool you want to like run with this and then chris reached out to uh chris roberts uh who uh was he was the he was the front man of uh amorosa when they were the corsets or cages era so like yeah. amorosa's first cp was actually written under a, a name corsets or cages that's like, like mid-2000s that. right like mid-2000s yeah like yeah, very early 2000s oh okay um, Yes, yeah, it's, it's like you can actually if you look up on uh, YouTube, uh, of course, that's our cages, uh, Utah. You can hear like the very first demo of Emerson's uh, pretty famous song, Utah, from their first EP. Sick. Um, and with Chris on vocals of it. Um, but yeah, so Chris Weddington reached out to Chris Roberts because uh, he was actually, Chris Roberts is actually out of, the, out of kind of the music scene for a little bit and showed him the stuff and surprisingly for whatever reason chris roberts really wanted to work with us and uh, it's been really fun working with him i think his lyrics are really awesome uh, yeah dude the contrast and vocals and screams and we went down to i just drove down to kentucky which is like an 11 hour drive and uh, we recorded uh, the first three songs uh, from the patch and demo little ep we put out it's called a single it's only three songs mm-hmm. with uh, this studio called Sight Glass Sounds. Uh, they're, they're great if you're in Kentucky and looking for some great post-hardcore music written. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, it, I thought it was really cool and we announced the band, got some really good reception from it. Um, our first song actually premiered on Revolver, which I thought was really sick. I mean, it sounded like Wolves was never even able to get Revolver. And Dang. We are a pretty established metalcore band. Yeah. Um, yes, I thought it was pretty sick. Uh, they kind of did us a little dirty by saying we sound like Glassjaw. So like, all the Glassjaw fans came out of the woodwork and started jumping on us. But that's, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's gotta be so rough as a band. Like the moment. you uh, get. I, yeah. I learned to just like, that you're always going to, no matter how cool, like I'm sure you've watched like the most incredible video on YouTube and there's always like a bunch of dislike somehow. And you're just yeah. like, who the, f- who the f- 
just like this. Yeah. Like, what are you doing right now? That's more incredible than that. Yeah. But I don't know what, something like, uh, I learned early on and uh, same with Chris. And it's something I like, I try to teach to all of my bands that we work with on the label is, uh, don't fight with people on the internet. Like every negative comment is an opportunity to create a fan. Mm-hmm. Like how you handle that negative comment. Like trolls are not expected. Like they're not expecting you to be cool. So if, and if they're a dick afterwards, they're a dick afterwards. That extra comment they gave you just boosted your engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, cause then it helps the algorithms, right? It's like, yeah, it helps the algorithm. So shit on me all you want. But, um, it, it definitely, like, I remember for some like rules, we put out a, one of our songs. Which I thought, I really like the song. Really, also, I really like the drumming song. And it came out on uh, this YouTube channel called Dreambound. Which is, oh, I love Dreambound. Um, yeah, they're incredible. They're probably the largest, most hardcore genre, metalcore genre. Yeah. Channel on the internet. And, uh, <laughs> the one comment I just saw like immediately, it was on my, my break from work and I was like, I saw this talking about drums. It was like this big paragraph. I was like, yeah, someone like saw like cool stuff I did in the song. And it was just this like two paragraph thing, just completely shitting all over my, like very minute thing, just shitting on my drums. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, ah, they just like cut me into the core that I got so mad. Then luckily the internet came out and helped me. Luckily, Dreambound, like, actually, it's, like, a very strong community as well. Yeah. Like, if there is some guy just trying to be an Dreambound's fan base normally kind of, like, addresses that for you and makes them feel dumb. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Luckily, I had that to help me. I, uh, so that's actually how I found Ascent Like Wolves was through Dreambound. Um, <laughs> because uh, a few bands that I have interviewed had their new songs featured on Dreambound. So every time they were like, hey, got a new song coming out, listen to it before the interview or whatever, you know, like I would go and it was on Dreambound. So that's how I discovered what Dreambound was. So yeah, like there are times where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit much for me because it's, you know, sometimes those metalcore stuff, it's just too much. But like, I always try to, to, to show like understanding of like how much talent is really there, even though, it may not be music I listen to. I I recognize how difficult it is to be a successful musician. And so I try to at least keep that in mind every time, you know, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Honestly, man, I don't really like listening to metal music too much. It's surprising that that probably sounds bands, but I always kind of make the joke. uh, I didn't choose metal for it. Chose me. Uh, (laughs) It's just, it's like really fun to play on drums much just do like whatever it's very challenging uh, i love it but i mainly listen to like indie music and a lot of hip-hop <laughs> oh yeah so who <laughs> yeah who who are some of the ones that you listen to right now um honestly probably two of my favorite i'll i'll kind of relate this to, like albums of the year that came out uh, but uh, I, I really like the new citizen album that came out this year uh new manchester orchestra album no oh, that one's good uh, i was yeah, I love that band. I listen to a lot of uh, lo-fi music as well. Like I have this full-time job, so I'm just constantly listening to that stuff. And uh, Pure Noise Records put out this lo-fi. Dude, I was literally album. listening to it before while I was working right before this interview. <laughs> it's so good, man. I love it because it just makes me smile because it has all those like emo and like old nostalgic themes of music I love, but it's like beautiful lo-fi music and it's done really well. Yeah, dude. Honestly, I think becoming my like I, I hate to call that my album. Here, but I think it might be. It, it means <laughs> like, dude, 
I listened to it so much. I shared it so much because like the thing for me was like lo-fi has always been like a genre I listen to while I because I'm a, a developer, right? So like that's a music yeah. I, I listen to that all the time. But like the thing was is I'd get sick of certain certain themes that would happen within lo-fi. And so the moment Pure Noise did it, I was like, this is incredible. Like they had uh, like one of my favorites was the there was a knocked loose song. Lo-fi. Yeah, it's so weird because it's like so dissonant and eerie, but it's still like a pretty lo-fi song. Yeah. Like Counterparts has one too. Yeah. <laughs> and then and I like I said, I shared the music with with some coworkers and I showed them the originals and they're like, Whoa, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing because it was just like because the lo-fi was. Yeah. Like you said, dude, it's amazing. Like even like. Like, uh, um, I think my favorite one is the Megan D, uh, monsters, um, lo-fi is just so cool. Maybe yeah, I think my favorite on uh, sense of sale buried a lot. Oh dude, that one's good too. That there was like three or four in a row that were just like super nostalgic for me. There was like buried a lie and then Hawthorne Heights. Um, yep. oh, yeah, Ohio's for lovers. Ohio's for lovers. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh, dude. Oh man. Yeah. Well, if you like that, um, my labels, uh, Yori is an imprint of Weird Triumphant. Of what? Uh, of uh, the record label Weird Triumphant. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, uh, we, yeah, we're, we're like, I guess, uh, yeah, an imprint of them and Weird Um But anyway, Weird Triumphant has another imprint label that has like a lot of bigger artists uh, called Lord or Life and Death, and they just put out uh, a, a basically just a pop punk nostalgic lo-fi album similar to, similar to pure noise but like it's been awesome it has this like all of the old school nostalgic dude i'm gonna have to all the, i i literally got the promo five. yeah i literally got the promo email for that lo-fi and i i forgot about it but now I'm okay that, they should get those yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i get that we are triumphant stuff because um I'm a big fan of a lot of the, the pop punk side of things that they oh, do. Dude, they're so good. Uh, actually, I, I used to be an A and R for Weird Triumphant before. Korea. Oh no way! I, like led into Korea. That's cool, and man. So like Wolves was on Weird Triumphant. Okay. Mystic Orders actually came out, but um, yeah, they have an. I, I'm I'm love Weird Triumphant's uh, pop punk scene. Yeah. Basically, like neck. Or do, like is Neck Deep still on We Are Triumphant? No, only their first EP was. But yeah, like, I feel like We Are Triumphant you know, is like the discoverer. <laughs> they find, I guess you were in that role, right? That They find that yeah. discovery and then the bands release their debut you know, EP or a few singles on We Are Triumphant and then get signed by big labels like, you know, Hopeless or Pure Noise. That's or essentially the, the business model, but I mean, I, I, I love it. I have a huge respect for very long And he's really one of the only, and Chelsea as well, David Record, but they put her up. Both are labels. Yeah. Something that the music scene really needs because they're the ones that are giving these new artists a chance before they've gotten to the point that they broke already. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's such a, it's such a tough thing to navigate. And like, I remember, you know, back in, 
I look back to like my high school days and, you know, labels like the militia group were doing that. And, uh, and even, um, even a little bit, a little bit larger labels, there was, uh, obviously drive through records was, was kind of like the, the, the step between an entry level label and, Oh, you're signed to freaking Sony or to, to uh, universal now. Right. Like, like, drive through yeah dude like th- those were those were the days of a lot of growing and pop punk and so i'm i'm excited to see labels doing that again where pop punk is becoming you know more popularized and and even just like the scene is more mainstream now than it used to be which i'm you know because it kind of fell off for quite a while and i was really bummed about that you know i think a lot of that had to do with um like people might love this or might hate it but lot of more mainstream artists going into pop punk rock for a little bit. I mean, yeah. or a lot of like heavier bands digressing more into, and I shouldn't say digressing, or turning more into like alternative bands, like Remula Rising. Yeah. Like totally changing the game every album. People look at that as that selling out. I look at it as a band just growing. Yeah, and experimenting. They they do yeah, so and, much. I mean, look, look what came from yeah all the the, the the growth in that genre that led to that and going back to like my what i was getting out of my point pop punk look at like machine gun kelly and all that's led to pop punk realm which is now allowing it to become a lot more mainstream and i think spotify is doing a pretty good job at that is like making a bunch of really unique editorial playlists yeah that mix in a lot of pop punk elements with like more mainstream artists that are and they're also arguments like younger kids again keep it the continuum going of people finding out about music. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's and it's it's cool to see because you know, obviously, you know, in, on the big side of those things, like you said, Machine Gun Kelly, Lil Lotus, um, Mod Sun, all those guys who are kind of just like blowing it up right now all collabing with travis barker who's obviously like the king yeah. of pop punk right <laughs> he really is he's, he's crushing it honestly oh he really is dude he's he's out there just like he's reviving he's he literally has single-handedly revitalized an entire genre <laughs> and he just seems like he's having a blast you know, you know like it just from like yeah i mean the outside look in just like everything he's doing just seems really fun and cool it does um, yeah but yeah that sound even led to this whole like new pop punk like, perhaps hip-hop sound where like uh, you got bands like nothing nowhere on the yeah nowhere. nothing nowhere is good man i love them that's actually probably one of my favorite albums this year too um but that like led to this whole this whole new sound of pop punk and that's stoked on it yeah but, dude and like there's there's a lot of bands doing it doing it really well like um i don't know if you've heard of uh was it magnolia something they're from yeah, magnolia, that, that band blew up from tiktok too magnolia it's a great Park. example of a band that just like crushed it on tiktok yeah yeah and Huge. They, they're they're killing it dude and they they combine those elements really well obviously like um you know it's it's fun to see because it it just one of the things that pop punk has always been and not even just pop punk, but metal and, and the, the whole scene, quote unquote, right? The whole scene has po- kind of been known as 
the melting pot where people can kind of be whoever they want to be and come into the, and just listen to the music and, and everyone, everyone kind of just relates to each other. And so the cool thing is there's, there was never really boundaries. It was always pushing these boundaries and, and doing new things. And so I, I'm excited to see that this stuff is continuing to being put to be pushed, right. Including that, that SoundCloud rapper style into the pop punk. And I, I mean, I, I'm fairly certain that the next one to do it is going to be like post Malone. Cause he's a scene kid too, you know? <laughs> yeah. We're like, I'm waiting for Halsey to drop like an incredible pop punk album. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> that would these be so people, cool. Yeah. They have a history in yeah. like with pop punk. She's into that. And so I'm like, just kind of, that would be, I mean, her, I also thought her album was probably one of my favorites this year, too. I'm a sucker for, like, kind of super heavily produced pop music like hers. Well, I mean, she's, she does it really it's well. so good. Yeah, yeah and she it was does. produced by Trent Reznor, which was crazy. You definitely hear that influence in there. And I just thought it was really unique. Wait. Album. And then how they marketed it was incredible, too. Yeah. Who, who was it again, you said? Uh, Trent Reznor. Like nine inch nails. Oh, I was like, why does that name sound so familiar? That's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like it's such a weird thing though for a pop artist to go to. Yeah, a guy like that. And you can hear it though when you listen to that album. Wow. Okay, this is weird. Yeah, I mean, he knows he knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean, it's. I love whenever I see a movie's produced by him or uh, the soundtrack for a movie's produced by him or something. Just like yeah. Yeah, he's the reason I know really anything about him is he's my brother-in-law's favorite musician and so he's constantly okay. like like showing me the things that he's a con like the things that he's done and because i was never a big nine inch nails guy but i'm a huge trent reznor fan right like i love yep. the stuff that he does that isn't nine inch nails like huge fan <laughs> I, I love his i'm kind of like been like kind of fascinated always with like the soundtracks of movies and stuff yeah like when like people make original scores for like high budget like movies, uh, I just think that's really so cool. Like, whenever I see that he does one, I think that's really sick. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it like there's so much involved because my favorite thing about it is they typically have like a theme throughout the whole score that yeah, is yep. tied together throughout the whole thing. And he seems to be like that's kind of his second nature for him to be able to do that. It seems like something that he just was natural at just tying it all together and, and making it feel very cohesive from start to finish. Yeah, definitely an incredible, uh, incredible musician. I wouldn't even know how to begin writing music for a, a score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I imagine it's very difficult. You have to know the exact emotion you're trying to evoke at exactly the right moment every single time throughout the whole movie and make it all feel cohesive. That's, <laughs> that's a little bit much for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, like he did the whole John, all the John Wick albums, which I, I thought those were really cool. Yeah. They turned out so cool. And like I said, like even with those, there's still like, like I'm, I'm kind of a nerd to a lot of this stuff, but there's a, there's a YouTube channel I watch called new rock stars. And uh, they do breakdowns. And one of the things that the guy breaks down is, is the, the audio cues, like things that tie like the theme song for this individual and the theme song for this individual and how they work throughout the whole storyline. For sure. I mean, the music is what sets the emotion builds up scene. Like imagine watching a movie without having uh, like music behind it to tell you how to feel, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the acting does a lot of it. It's the music behind the acting yeah that's where all the emotion comes from that's where the fear 100%. comes from in a scary movie that's where the the sadness comes from in a sad part like every time yeah and that's I'm what, always fascinated by that oh yeah dude I think that's why Garden State is one of my favorites and even Scrubs the old TV show Scrubs like because yep. they weren't scores they were songs that he chose specifically for but it's uh, Zach Braff obviously he uh he's a big music fan. And so I, I agree, man, those, that type of stuff is so vital to a good movie. Oh yeah. I even uh, miss the days of when there were really cool video game soundtracks, like for like Tony Hawk or like, or like, those are like iconic now. You like, you don't hear that really. And you don't really see that anymore. It's yeah. It's it's like remixes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I will say that like, there are quite a few of like the uh the more rpg style that have really pretty soundtracks like full orchestras and like for sure and that's a little different situation but it's a little than, different like, tony yeah hawk, but the tony hawk <laughs> soundtrack the yeah. tony hawk soundtrack dude like i mean still to this day superman is one of my favorite songs due to that game right like yeah. like Everyone knows Superman because of Tony Hawk. And then obviously, I mean, Goldfinger's amazing anyway, but yeah, that I agree with you, man. Those, those curated soundtracks were unbeatable. And even like, even like the old school, uh, samplers that record. I was going to bring that up, man. Like, do you remember, um, I I recently, it was actually last night. I just uh, found these, remember Atticus? Yeah, dude. <laughs> so good. There, there's three incredible compilations. Just like I found out, like basically all the bands that influenced me, I found out from the the Atticus samplers as like a young kid. That's amazing. Like, maybe dude. like a 12 year old kid getting these like samplers. Yeah, dude. Mine and, uh, were uh, I, vagrant. Okay, I, I had to check those out. Um, yeah, and the Hot Topic ones, the uh, yeah. Victory Records with Victory TV and their compilations. Like that's like such iconic stuff to me. Now you got to do something, dude. Do something like that, you know, just like a. You, you can't though now. Like, I know. Spotify, like with some of like I I love as a user I love Spotify because like, I think it's like it's incredible having all the music in the world at your fingertips and being able to do whatever you want with it. Yeah. But like as like I, I don't know, you just can't really <laughs> you can't really do something like that anymore. Like you can't really make a compilation CD anymore and have it do well because nobody buys CDs. They'll just be like, why don't you send me a playlist? But everybody's yeah. making playlists. So the fact of a compilation CD was powerful at the time because that was the only, like if you wanted to make a compilation CD, you had to invest the money for it. Do you hear my refrigerator? Yep, I sure hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's know, amazing. I mean, so you like, are right. Like, it's making a playlist now as kind of a compilation, but it's yeah, but but everybody can do it. But like anybody can, you don't have to invest money in it. So there's no like credibility behind. Like when I would get a compilation CD, I would be like, okay, all these artists must be awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> you know I mean, like it gave credibility and like power to the band you're listening to because it's the only way you're now anybody. There's probably like millions and millions of Spotify playlists. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? and the playlists lose their power too, because they, it's, it's kind of expected that, that you are constantly adapting and adjusting and updating the playlists, right? Like 
Like yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't have any like ownership or like a familiarity with them anymore. It's changing so much. Whereas a compilation CD, it's just like, that's what it, that's what it is. Like yeah, when I listened to that those Atticus albums yesterday, they put me in the exact time frame and like mentally where I was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. Exactly. That's what I love about music. A lot of it is being able to just kind of like go back in that mind state that you're in, whatever you listen to, whatever, whatever emotion is in the trip. Yeah, dude. I agree. And it's like, like, I don't know, man. Like, the, I, I was just literally thinking of like, you know, the CDR, right? Like going and making mixed CDs. Like hey, people yeah, call it, still called it a mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, dude, I need you to make it. I need you to put like all of your favorite songs onto a CD for me, but you only had like 13, 14 tracks to play with and you were full. Right. And it was like, yep, dude, dude, this it's just, it loses its value when it's in a playlist to me. I, and this is me just being an, you know, a boomer, right? This is just me being old. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I, I grew up in, in like the same era as you, man. Like I just remember going up to my friends and being like, Hey, let me borrow your CD case for the night. I got a bunch of blank CDs from the store and I'm just going to make all your CDs really quick. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, it was like a way to like trade back and forth. I don't know. It was, it was fun. Like, now it's, I like share a song and people won't even click on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like every, that's just so easily accessible. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, maybe we're old. I mean, I, yeah, I, I know that I'm old, like I'm old school in a lot of ways. Like I like the idea of a physical, like tangible CD in my hand. So anytime, whenever I go to a concert, a lot of times, like I, I can't, I have a hard time justifying buying merch because I'm just like, I don't buy a lot of stuff, but every time I go to a show, I have to buy something. Cause I'm like, I know this band needs money like the the they're not getting enough from this freaking venue to pay for dinner tonight like this venue is not going to help them out and so i'm like i've got to buy something and so i'm like what can i buy that i can that i can enjoy and i always every single time will buy a cd i'll buy a cd from each band that's at the show and it's like okay you know 10 bucks a pop and the thing about it is it's like i there's just something about having that physical cd that just feels so great you know like to me it's just it's it's what I love. And so it's it's tough to me to see all these like like I even saw the other day um it was like an advertisement for like a it's I don't know, Instagram knew it was my wife's birthday, so they're trying to advertise to me to get the get her something, right? It was uh um it was like this little like picture frame or it was not a picture frame, it was like a glass thing that had a picture that you'd choose and then it had a little uh is it like those Spotify scanners, right? Yeah. And it would be our song. It would, you'd scan it and it'd pull up the song on the phone. I'm like, man, I feel like my wife would enjoy a mix CD better of all the songs that I think Probably. of. That'd be more heartfelt. I think <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's yeah. just kind of the digital thing just kind of misses the mark for me. It just doesn't, it doesn't quite show the emotion. I don't know. Yeah. Talk about uh, winning a girl's heart when you're a teen back then was uh, just uh, making her a mixtape, you know? And drawing a cool picture. Yeah, drawing a cool picture for yeah, her on it. a cool picture something cute on it, yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, I... Uh, I guess now it's a Spotify playlist. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I I was actually... Uh, my wife and I were making a joke because we were going through my CDs and we found mixtapes that were mixed CDs that were made for me um, back in high school. 
So like ex-girlfriends and stuff, they would be like, you know, their playlist, their, their CD for me. And my wife was just, she was like, let's listen to it. <laughs> it's so funny to hear like these love songs as teenagers. It was the best dude. It was so great. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that's some good stuff right there. Oh, good memories, man. <laughs> well, dude, real quick. Um, as I, as I always end my podcast, I always love to, uh, to ask just random questions. Uh, do you still have a couple minutes? Oh yeah, man. It's been great talking to you. I appreciate it. Sick. All right, dude. So these random questions are the same ones of every interview. So if you listen to an interview, you've heard the questions before, but, uh, um, this first one is uh, favorite candy. I'm actually not a really big candy person, um, but if I, I'm kind of a sucker for like kind of like gummies or like gelatin products, like, Heck uh, yeah. like, know, like, 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 or like sour patch kids. Dude. I mean, Destroy speaking to my soul on that one. <laughs> yeah. I like, I hate chocolate though. You hate chocolate, so, huh? I like, dude, not like chocolate. Oh man. I don't know what it is. My body's weird, but I will like eat dude yeah yeah man i i get that i i'm much more of a fruity candy person than a chocolate guy but there's sometimes that just chocolate just hits the spot so <laughs> but yeah man i uh i'm just a sugar holic i just eat way too much candy it's a problem but <laughs> Yeah, I'm more of like a salty kind of like cheese kind of like you give me a box of cheese. It's like, I'm oh, like, dude, thing. like I'm not a candy or sweets guy. Oh, dude. I mean, I, uh, I stole a box of, of, uh, cheddar Jack Cheez-Its from my mother-in-law yesterday. Some, that's, that's some good stuff. There. I pounded yeah. it, dude. It just absolutely pounded the box. It was terrible. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I had it like over halfway gone within like an hour or so and then my son comes and steals it from me and he's just pounding him now i'm like dude come on man (laughs) yeah this is my secret box buddy (laughs) yeah exactly dude i'm like dude get out of here then my other son's sitting here stealing my pistachios i'm like dude guys get out of my office (laughs) i'm a sucker for pistachios those things are expensive though man oh yeah they're like a treat from they're a treat for me anymore (laughs) yeah i my i i love pistachios i just don't like like the ones i i it was funny. Like my wife was like, Hey, do you want anything from the stores? Like some pistachios, some shelled pistachios. And to me, shelled pistachios meant that they were out of their shell. But to her, she was like, Oh, he wants them in the shell. And so, uh, so now I have a bunch that are in the shell. I'm like, dang it. It's such a pain in the butt to open these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's part, that's part of it though. Like think of how many you would consume if you could just take a whole handful oh, dude. and shove them in your mouth. Oh, it would be terrible. I mean, even when yeah, I'm breaking them good. open, I lose track and I'm like, how many of these did I eat already? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dude. All right. Next one here for you. This one, uh, sometimes it's hard to come up with just a single answer. So I'll, you know, I'll take your top three as well. If, if you can't come up with a single top one, but, uh, favorite movie. Movie. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to answer this and think about it later and change all my answers, but, um, it's on my head right now. I'm a big sucker for like all the old Adam Sandler movies, but just to like name like one or two, just like happy Gilmore. Billy Madison, uh, Love Anchorman, um, Pulp Fiction. Okay. The, that Pulp Fiction was definitely out of left field compared to the others. <laughs> yeah, I figured I should put a serious, a more serious movie in instead of a bunch of really silly, dumb movies. Uh, <laughs> Dude, the, so. those silly, dumb comedies are genuinely like the best, though. 
Well, they're the ones I, I feel like I can watch over and over again. You know, like, I mean, I have a hard time watching like a really serious movie where I already know how the entire story is going to go over and over again. But for whatever reason, like, how you seem to watch all fiction. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like, I can watch act like fun action movies, like mostly superhero. I can watch those multiple times. But like, I can't watch a lot of like stories that have twists or anything. Like, I guess Christopher Nolan's really the only one where I can like rewatch his movies and still enjoy yeah. it the second time. Yeah, I, I I think kids are great too. Like, I can there's there's a lot of movies that I think are incredible, and after I watch them, oh man, that was something my favorite movies something I want to watch anytime yeah. I want to and it's still great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I uh it's so funny. I was talking to uh um a guy named Sam um band called South State and uh I brought up uh I brought up Billy Madison and he'd never heard of it and I was like, dude am I that old? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I was like, my humor is like founded on those movies. Dude, I, I still, every single, every single time I think of that movie, all I think is nudie magazine day, nudie magazine day. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's just so dumb, but so funny still. <laughs> this isn't no place for a penguin. <laughs> so great, but my favorite media probably, like, anything to watch is probably it's always on Philadelphia. Oh yeah. That's, I've probably watched the, like all of those seasons probably 10 times. I've heard that show's pretty darn funny. I've never watched it. I'm, I don't watch a lot of shows, though. I don't really watch TV. Incredible. Okay. It's kind of like my like comfort, comfort show. <laughs> I can't think of something to put on or if I'm like, what, some background noise or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, all it's the like, characters. Like home, it's home base. <laughs> yeah. All the characters individually in terms of their comics, like their comedy bits and stuff are fantastic. So I'd imagine all of them coming together is, is kind of a powerhouse of comedy. So good. It's just like the opposite of like a sick. I call it like an anti-sitcom almost. It's like a sitcom normally is just like people trying to get better, better in their lives, growing. Or like it's always sunny. It's just the worst people gradually getting worse and worse <laughs> and worse, and just <laughs> more terrible people. And I just, I just, I think it's so fun. Like everything's a joke. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> sure. All right, dude. Um, another one here for you. Um, favorite non-music related hobby. Um, I uh, also might share my age a little bit. I'm uh, really into like rollerblading. Like uh, I used to be called like aggressive at mine. Oh heck yeah, <laughs> dude! I had a pair of the skates uh, with the. The plates on the yeah, side. Yeah. yeah, like I, I recently got into that again. Nice, dude. And it's, hopefully I don't hurt myself, but uh, it's definitely been fun and nostalgic to get back into that. That's awesome, dude. Do you go to skate parks or do you just lay it around? Yeah, I have a couple of friends that are still like really big in skateboarding. And uh, some, actually, one of my buddies got back in rollerblading again, which is pretty sick. Uh, it's, it's a it feels like a very dead sport. I don't even think it's in the X Games. Yeah. But, um, it I used to be huge. It did. Yeah. It was like, especially like early 2000s, mid 2000s. It was massive. Yeah. It's crazy. But um, yeah, I'm try- trying to be a little more active. In that a little bit, but That's awesome. Just kind of like typical stuff. Like, 
scene called Monster Hunter for uh, Switch. Oh yeah, I've heard about that one. That's the new RPG, right? It's pretty sick. It's basically like boss fight the video game. It's been around for a while. Like Monster Hunter's been around for a while, but I mean it's like a no bullshit <laughs> and like MMO basically where you just kinda like jump in like but- Big boss monster with a bunch of people online, and they carve up its pieces and make new weapon and armor, and just keep running back. Nice man, takes my mind off things. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I love video games. Yeah, it's it's funny, man. Rollerblading really has made a, a resurgence, man. I got my wife a pair of rollerblades for Mother's Day because she was like, "I want rollerblades." I was like, "Really? Like, since when?" <laughs> she has like the the quads. You get her like a pair of the. I saw the quad like. I saw women really start getting into rollerblading with like uh like kind of like the quad skates for like like roller derby. Oh yeah, like the almost. the, the they had like trucks. Like, yeah, like yeah. Skateboard trucks almost. Yeah, no, uh, I got her. She she got the blade, the inline skates. Okay, the nice. uh, yeah, I got her some. I don't remember K two brand or something like that. All right, yeah, yeah, they're pretty popular one. Yeah, it was it was like the one that we could find. In the store, we went to a place, I think it's called Sheets. It's a, it's a sports store here in Utah. But uh, but yeah, man, it was uh, it was so random because I just, rollerblading, I haven't seen people rollerblade in years and just like out of nowhere, it's, be, it's been growing again. So Everything comes back, man. It's like hopefully Metalcore comes back. Yeah, I mean, you did, you did say everything comes in cycles. It comes in cycles, dude, yep. You did say that. I mean, honestly, it kind of like the fact that pop punk is making resurgence, it reminded when you said that, you know, everything comes in cycles. I'm like, dude, that probably means that, I mean, Memphis Mayfire came back and I would imagine Metalcore is going to make a resurgence because of that too because Under Oath is making more music and I don't know. Devil Wars Prada. Devil Wars Prada. Even Azalea Dying came back after that guy's crazy after he freaking. I mean, well, he didn't have allegations. He got accused of it, went to jail. But. Yeah, he straight up was in prison, right? He was he the one. straight up went to jail. He served his time. And- <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, he was the one who uh, um, who hired an assassin to kill his wife, right? Yeah, he, it was like a honeypot, though. Like, no one. She didn't actually. No, no one actually like, killed her, but I mean, like, oh, okay. he still got caught attempting to attempting hire to. somebody to kill this, which is <laughs> still terrible. Yeah. Um, and I mean, other metal, I mean, Ice Nine Kills is absolutely. Back. Oh, yeah, dude. He came back. Like, I, there was a, there was a bunch of stuff that I was reading right as soon as they started. Like, they planned out a whole tour, and there was a bunch of venues getting backlash for being willing to book the band and, and stuff. Like, all those dates still sold out. So, yeah. Yeah, dude. They, big yeah. Venue. You know what though? You know, uh, I know we're catching going top of topic here, but uh, <laughs> I feel like it'll always come back. You know, like what really sucks about when something like that happens is there's other members in that band. Like, I couldn't imagine being like the drummer of Azalea Dying. Yeah, when all that happened, and just being like, "What the fuck? Everything I worked for just got completely destroyed." Yeah, because you did this stupid thing absolutely that's like that's, that's so, so rough yeah dude, that's a great point because there's so many other people involved in in that and like the uh the the example that comes to my mind um what was the uh dang it what's the band name ronnie radke's band um uh, falling in reverse the one before that where he before he went uh, to prison yeah like so he goes to prison and they're like dude like you may be our front man but we need to we need to still make music like <laughs> Right? Like, isn't that yeah, what happened? Got, uh, 
Yep, yep. And they got a new vocalist. Yeah. I guess Falling in Reverse, this whole first album was all over Escape the State, and then they miraculously got on tour together. Yeah. It's all cool. It's, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Dude. It was, uh, I mean, Ronnie Radke is, is one of a kind as well, obviously. But yeah, like it's that same concept where it's like the band is like, dude, you screwed up, but that, that affects us negatively, like big time. Dude, Trump is a, like a listener too. Like, I mean, I even, I, I say this with like a grain of salt now just because I've gotten like, attacked by it, by it in the past, but like one of my favorite bands is like, brand new. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. Like, incredible. But like all Jesse Lacey's sexual allegations came out right after uh, science fiction dropped and just destroyed that band. I just remember like it, it, it was such a, a heated thing which it should be around that time where I just remember posting like my favorite albums of the year and like science fiction was my top one. Cause like objectively it was my favorite album of the year. It's like Jesse Lee's like done past or whatnot. Like that was my favorite album that year. The music of it was great. So I just said science fiction is my favorite album of the year. And I got like destroyed by my Facebook timeline. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> well, we see you support, you support, child predators and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I just, <laughs> yeah. like this music is really good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very upset this happened. And like, I mean, this was like a, a, someone I held on a pedestal. And I mean, I mean, if you listen to Brandy's lyrics, like you can tell it's, it's, it's like always saying that. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the same time though, like, I mean, I really held that. I really loved that band like growing up. And now it's, it's like hard to really even, really enjoy the get, get, enjoy their music or find myself like being able to like allowing myself to enjoy their music and all this and it's just uh, it sucks i just couldn't imagine being like a member of a band that's something like that has happened yeah dude i agree <laughs> it's would be so hard and it's tough too as a listener because you want to be able to separate the person from it, yeah, it, want, it yeah it's just it's, it's culture today doesn't allow you to you're like yeah. you just it, it's so hard i don't really post any opinions yeah, I avoid I avoid I yeah, I avoid all opinions as much as possible when it comes to that type of stuff, because like Lost Profits is another great example of a band uh, where that, that's an extreme there. Yeah, like it, it is. And it's like it was easy for me to just not listen to Lost Profits anymore. Right. Like this yeah. guy, this guy's it's, awful. It's, but like it's that same it's concept because <laughs> their music was cool for like when it came out. But it's like. Like even right now, I'm talking to you about this in my back of my mind. I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> Someone can hear this. Yeah, I know. Take yeah. It out of context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just no, ruin your record label. No, that's but and that's that's such a. It sucks that they have to worry about that. So uh, yeah, we we can move on, obviously. But it's it's true. It's like it it, it's, it's it is true, man. I I'm I dude. I've got so many things in my mind of how I I want to change the way that that people like because we we just kind of i don't know i i hate that that we don't let people change and evolve and grow and like i understand like some things they're they're really like certain things like what what was done in terms of especially like predatory type things those things really need to be like addressed and that person doesn't need to be given a spotlight again after right but like i i do i do feel like man it would be really nice Cause man, mid two thousands, life was different. People would say different things, act very differently than they would now. And it had nothing. There wasn't malicious intent until you try to apply the words then to the, to the times now. 
And so I, I just want people to be able to grow, you know, like. I think, I think he said it very, that was very well spoken about it. I'm just going to leave you with a funny, an interesting concept. Imagine if social media was around when like the hair metal genre was going on. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> like, every time I think, like when I hear some of these allegations, like one of the allegations is terrible, but I'm just like, man, this shit, like I heard from like in the past of like hair metal bands and stuff. Jeez. Yeah, dude. Motley Crue wouldn't even be allowed to be a band. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Like most of those bands, that was what they were built on sex, drugs, and rock and roll, dude. That was it. Doing terrible things. I mean, the times were a lot different. I just, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a very hard to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's hard yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, dude. Like, oh, man. I, I and I, I mean, there's just, there's so much, there's so much involved in it and it's a whole societal thing. And so I, I have my opinions that in terms of, I just, I try to look at everyone on a, on a one at a time basis. Just like, is this individual person good? Like I, that's the thing that I just try to do every time now is I'm like, I'm, I'm sick and tired of, of generalizations. I just want to look at you as an individual. Are you a good person? And then just handle my friendships that way because it's just so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Or people just kind of like relax and try to get out of the spotlight of your opinions on social media. Yeah. Like, I think that's like what a lot of it is. People are just like, I just I always wonder when I see like giant fights, have, like giant threads of people arguing back and forth. And I like look at the timestamps of all them. I'm like you literally spent like your entire day. Yeah. Arguing with that one person. Like you, you should, you're, none of you are going to change. You both look stupid to me when I'm reading your stuff. Yep. Like as an outsider. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and it just muddies the water of anything good, like any good conversation I can have. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I just wish that like, like I, opinions are important, but you know, they're, they're meant for you and, and they're, you know, they're not meant to be shared broadly, right? Like it's, I, I feel like the, the ability to just share opinions just willy nilly has devalued the importance of dialogue because people, you know, if you get enough For people sure, piling, it's just, it ruins it. Yeah. It just made people afraid to have meaningful conversation anymore. It's more just like, and no one wants to hear each other out on where they're coming from about something. And when you're not like literally talking to somebody with like your, like over like a voice or, 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 or even better in person, you're missing a lot of the, like the, the dialogue of the nonverbal communication coming mm-hmm. from as well. And like, I just feel like a lot of people aren't, they don't want to hear anybody out anymore because they're almost like afraid to have a different take on something or go, go against something that's not like trending by society. Or, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, all these things are hard to talk about. And I hate even saying that sentence because a conversation shouldn't be hard to talk about. Yeah, I agree. It shouldn't be hard to have, but it's just, I don't know. Anymore. You have to worry about like, I mean, I've seen comedic like, Dave Chappelle and Hart was a yeah, uh, yeah I don't even want to I, I love Dave Chappelle but, <laughs> and it's a conversation I don't think we should yeah no no <laughs> I no yeah but Kevin Hart you're, you're great example your, Kevin Hart with yeah, the with the Oscars yeah like they went like that's like that was like that guy's like dream and like I I, I love watch I love Kevin Hart I love watching him like, I just love watching him grow and like he he's an incredibly talented and driven dude and got to like the highest like the highest paid comedian for a while. 
and I might even still be. Uh, might so still be yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, they found like a tweet from him. I don't know if it was a tweet at that time, but from like 2006 or 2008 or yeah, something. Like a, a decade over a decade ago. And they canceled, they tried to cancel him from that. And I'm just like, it's like you said earlier, it's like in the two thousands times are a little different. Dude, like, I, I love watching Tropic like, Thunder. Tropic <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thunder, dude. Like, that would not go over well today. And Ben Stiller was the one who wrote, directed that, right? Like, a white guy had a dude play blackface. Like, obviously, it was, it was in jet. It was, it was to explain, express how awful blackface is. But it's still the, the idea that that happened, right? Like, even Django Unchained, I don't know that that could go over anymore today. Now they both have got a lot of backlash recently. Really? I haven't, um, I haven't paid as much attention, but I, I see those try to get them taken down from social media. I mean, uh, streaming services. Yeah. It's just, it's like, dude, people are calling like, you know, like freaking Abraham Lincoln, a racist. I'm like, yeah. In today's terms, everyone during that era <laughs> was a racist, everyone. But the fact is like the dude wanted to, to emancipate people. He wanted to give, make them free. That's pretty, pretty rad, but no, he's a racist because of the time he lived in. It's like, dude, can we just put things in context, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, hard stuff to talk about. On the podcast, yeah. I won't, so. I won't, I won't make you, I won't make you have to voice an opinion. I'll let my opinion stand alone. And if my podcast gets canceled, that's me. And I will always defend you because you, you were, you know, like you didn't say anything amiss. I did. <laughs> I don't think you did either. I just, um, it's just, again, it's like I said before, it's just, we're in a really weird time and trying to like having a, a legitimate conversation where you try to hear all sides out. Anything can get misconstrued by taking like a segment out of it. Just using that as a question. Yeah, dude. I so mean, it's, just scary. It's, it's because of that. It's scary to have any conversation yeah it's, it's like what happens with dave Chappelle. even yep a lot of these like headlines that i'm seeing are because nobody watched all three of his episodes yeah like context is so, very very important <laughs> when you a hundred percent when you're especially in a situation like him when you're comedian, trying to talk about very controversial topics in such a rough climate yep so yeah man and the the irony of all of this i just i i realized like i'm wearing a freaking leather patched american flag hat right like it's a leather patch <laughs> with american flag on it and uh and now people are gonna just be like they're gonna clip it take it and just like run with it it's like yeah go for it yeah. but i i just i don't know man it's it's ironic it's just it's the it's you know was Alanis Morissette ironic, right? Like it's the definition of yeah. ironic. <laughs> hey man, if you ever wanted to shoot the shit about this, like outside of a podcast, I'd be all about. <laughs> oh, dude, like, I'm, crazy I'm discussion with you, man. Dude, I'd love but, that because because I'm <laughs> I'm all about like one of my favorite things is learning from other people, like trying to to just see how other people think, because for me, like all of my opinions, like a lot of my opinions are very heavily rooted in what affects my wife and kids what affects my religious freedom because my religion is very important to me and what affects the individual person's ability to choose right those are like the three core facets for me and like what 
dictates my my thoughts and my my opinions and uh and so yeah i would i'm i would love i always love talking to to people more in depth about this stuff because i everyone should want to broaden their thought and broaden their horizons and and think more openly and i hope that i hope that things lead to that where people really start truly seeking out like I don't know more opinions because that would be freaking awesome. And I think the Dave Chappelle thing, the controversy that's going on right now, is something that really needed to happen to shed light not on any one side about things, but to shed light that we have this huge problem. Yeah, disgusting. Yep. And like just, I don't know. My biggest problem with just the Dave Chappelle thing is just the whole one. like if you well, like I grew, I grew up watching Dave Chappelle and stuff, and he he literally. Sh- on every type of person that's what comedy should be yeah one of my biggest like life lessons was learning what self-deprivating is how to use yep. and navigate life by being able to make fun of yourself like, a lot of situations i've diffused that like hard situations i've diffused in life as i've been able to self-deprecate allow myself to make fun of myself you know and like that's what i think it's really important stand-up comedy is to be able to poke fun at everybody yeah, you can't poke fun at everybody, and you you're opening the door to not be able to poke fun at anyone at all. Yeah, dude. What's then? Where does that leave your society? You know, oh, absolutely. Because part of growing is being able to take criticism or take things. Take, taking, I don't even want to use criticism. That was a bad word. Um, just being able to just see humor, you know, in, in yourself situations that other it's all person's perspectives yep yeah man i uh sometimes i i look at it i'm like if i didn't know how to take humor i'd be pretty miserable as a christian white straight male like i am like the i am the source of a of a great comic right like they can just take my take the material of who i am and just run with it I love when Dave Chappelle pretends to be a white dude. That yeah. kills me every time. That's so funny to me. One of my favorite sketches was uh, um, a blind black KKK member. Yeah, I remember that one. Like Bigsby. <laughs> yeah, it was just like that was such a like yeah, that's hilarious. That's such a good social dialogue. It really is. Yeah. And that's like what. Yeah, I don't, we're, we're focused like our society is too focused on controversy or losing sight of that like the the stuff you can learn from people yep and making these dialogues but i feel like I, you were just asking me like a couple questions earlier and i went into this like 30 minute rant dude i, I freaking i apologize dude <laughs> that's that's the reason i love the podcast like yeah. format is i have no time limit and like i i love open-ended like you know, there are times where people reach out to me like, oh, yeah, so uh, what are give a give me like a list of the questions you ask. I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not an outlet of like, uh, like, I'm not, like a podcast. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm not a magazine outlet. I'm not going to be just asking targeted questions like I'll ask you a few questions and build off of those every single time. I don't want to I don't want to close off a conversation by having things planned. Like I plan sure. in terms of like knowing who you are as a musician, like listening to the music, reading some things about the band. That's my preparation. So then I have a direction, but man, 
the the idea of having a list of questions is like it kind of makes me cringe. Done <laughs> quite a bit of podcasts over the years, and uh, yours is great. I really, like I said, I really enjoyed talking to you because it is like a dialogue, like back and forth. it's like a conversation, you know. But I've definitely had those ones where like the person has never has no idea about the band or who they're talking to, and asked me just like the most generic questions back to back to back to back and then it's over with yeah just sometimes you want where i was like live on the like on a radio station it was one like that and i was just like this just i just i can't get into this at all because i'm like on the spot yeah (laughs) oh that's just so cringe yeah he like said multiple names wrong and stuff in it oh no yeah he just did not yeah, man, I, uh, I've been very fortunate with like the history I have in terms of like having done sales. And also I served a two year service mission where like my whole every day was talking to people about religion. Right. And so it's like, okay. I, that's awesome. Man. I, uh, I learned a lot in terms of how to communicate with people, how to like to be like, for me, the number one most important thing in my life is like authenticity, just being a genuine, authentic person. And like, I, I have a hard time faking it. And so like that stuff, I learned a lot and I was like, okay. And taking into the podcast has helped a lot. And I've, there've been some, some people who've agreed to be on the podcast because they, they were like, you know, this one seems a little different. And so I'll talk to them and you know, they'll be like, finally, like it was just a conversation. It wasn't like this, this rote presentation type thing. And I was like, thank you. I'm like, I'm very humbled when, when people say what you said, like I, I genuinely just like it, it means the world to me to like have this opportunity to even talk to people. Cause like to me where you guys are at and what you guys do, like as musicians, as like a record label owner, like that's like another world and it's amazing. And so like, for me, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Cause it was, it was really cool getting to talk to you and, and obviously, you know, you may have shared more opinions than, uh, than you wanted, but we'll, uh, you know, if, if we need to, if we need to self-censor, I've, I've got that ability. No, you didn't say anything I amiss. Think we're good. Oh. Like, I mean, you'd really have to push him to try to cancel. Yeah, I dude. Said, but, I mean, yeah, um, you, you said nothing amiss, like, but I'm also, I, I'm also a very reasonable person. So, uh, okay. you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that, but no, man, yeah, I, I appreciate you, but, Given I talk to you for like two hours Tuesday night here to care what I have to do. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Thank you. Dude, I appreciate you, man. And obviously, congrats. Like, I I don't even know if I mentioned it a whole lot. I obviously have listened to to all the music that you guys have released thus far. And I'm stoked, man. You guys, you said you're planning on a full LP, right? Yeah, so we have another single coming out, uh, follow-up to our, our October single. Uh, the 19th, right? It's called, uh, yeah, November. it's coming out the 19th of November. It's called Be Treated and Cured. Uh, I think it's really cool. They both songs go together in the theme. And then we're releasing a full LP next year. I'm stoked on it. It's really cool. Heck yeah, man. Well, I'm pumped for you guys, man. Congrats on, on what you guys are accomplishing and, and obviously, uh, you know, best of luck with, with everything. Cause you've got a lot going on. So I'm, I, uh, you know, any other bands that, that you can think of, I'd love to, I'd love to chat with them too. So <laughs> oh, uh, we got, uh, we got plenty of bands. Uh, so we just have 12 bands on our roster. Right now. Sick. Sick. So, uh, definitely be a, 
already hit you up, I think, a couple days ago. So, yeah, I did. <laughs> so, yeah, man. my bands. So I'll definitely be in touch going forward. Love it, bro. Thank you for listening to another episode. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. I do apologize apologize again for the audio issues. I don't know what happened with the recording, but it was such a cool interview. I couldn't let it just not get get posted. So um, huge shout out to Cody and thank you to him for for joining me on the on the podcast. And and uh, once again, go check out his music, go check out his record label, the bands on his label, obviously stellar. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Deuces.